Hey guys, thanks Nate. So I am going to be doing an overview, a little short talk on wisdom, knowledge, and a little bit on prophecy. I think uh, prophecy might have been covered in one of our previous sessions, um, but we're going to find that the this is going to be gifts working in tandem or three all together. Um, so first of all, I'd want to start out and say, um, what is wisdom and what is knowledge? Uh, the words are used interchangeably a lot of times, but they're not exactly the same thing. Uh, the Bible defines them as different things. So um, I'm going to put out there that wisdom is how you would make a decision when you don't know what to do. And it doesn't have to be something super complicated. It could be as uh, simple as, I don't know what to do. I'm going to the Word. I'm going to see what God says about it. That's a wise thing to do. Um, knowledge is knowing something. But in the sense we're talking about it, um, it's a gift of knowledge. So this is coming from God. Um, a gift of knowledge or a word of knowledge is knowledge that you have that only God couldn't have give, could have given to you. Uh, something you didn't know that you do know, and there's no way you could have known it except God gave it to you. Um, there's prophecy. Um, there's a broad definition of prophecy, but narrowing it down to where it ties in with these three, Prophecy would be similar to knowledge, but in the sense that what you're saying hasn't happened yet. Again, that's just the narrow definition that ties in with these three. Um, what we're going to find is between these three things, there's lots of people who would exhibit two or maybe even all three gifts in a single setting or a certain circumstance. <clears throat> so I just want to start off with pointing out some places in Scripture where it talks about people having uh, a, a spirit of knowledge, a spirit of wisdom, or a gift of uh, a, a gift of uh, knowledge or wisdom. First place we find uh, a mention of that. The first place I found was in Exodus thirty-one verses verses two and verses six, and it's where uh, God's talking to Moses about how are we going to build this tabernacle? And he points out two guys to Moses. And he says, we've got a guy named uh, Bezalel and a guy named Aholiab. And, um, well, we're building a tabernacle, so we should want, uh, you know, some guys who are really good at building things. And they were. But the first thing God points out about these two guys is that they have the spirit of knowledge and wisdom. And then Moses even goes on further when he's talking to the children of Israel. And he points them out to the children of Israel and said, see these two guys? They got wisdom and knowledge. And that's the first thing God mentions about them is not how great they are at building gold and stuff, but their spiritual gift. God is looking at that. Um, we've got uh, in Deuteronomy 34 verse 9, we have Joshua and it says there, I'll just flip to it. Give me a second. Uh, 
getting there slowly. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the, as, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him as they did unto Moses. So it's pointing at Joshua and saying he had the spirit of wisdom. So you could look then at the life of Joshua and the things that uh, he did, the acts that he did, and you could find out, you know what? Joshua was a wise man. He showed the spirit of wisdom um, by, he's including God in his battle plans. He's saying, God, what should I do? He could be an awesome general and not have a spirit of wisdom at all. We got another instance um, of Solomon. Solomon's got wisdom. And how did he get it? He asked God. Um, he's praying at night. God comes to him and God says, what do you want? And Solomon says, I want wisdom and knowledge. And uh, it wasn't just a blank request. Solomon had a purpose to it. He says, I want wisdom and knowledge so that I can be a judge of and rule your people well. And God responds and says, because you asked for it for that reason, I'm going to give it to you and all the other stuff you didn't ask for. So God thought very highly of Solomon's request. So I want to share an example of a word of knowledge because we've just kind of talked about, uh, pointed out biblical characters who've who have it, and the Bible says you have it, but there is an instance in 2 Samuel chapter 12, 7 to 10, and it's where Nathan's confronting David. And I'm going to, it's three verses, so I'm going to read it, and then I'll ask and see if we can identify what gifts are being uh, used right there. Second Samuel 12, 7. Okay, so I'll preface this by Nathan comes to David in actually verse uh, 1 of chapter 12. And he does this whole story, a hypothetical story about there's this hypothetical man and he's got some guests and he's got lots of sheep and the sheep are also hypothetical. And then we get to the end, we got a hypothetical sheep stolen. What are you going to do? And uh, then uh, David went, goes and pronounces what he thinks is hypothetical judgment on this guy. And then Nathan points at him in verse 7 and says, Thou art the man. And then he says, I appointed you king of Israel. I you know, gave you all of this stuff. And you stole another man's wife. And you killed the, her husband. And then um, in verse, I'm going to skip down to verse 12. Oh, I can't find it. The verse that uh, Nathan points at uh, David and says, the son you have will die, the baby they had. So I'd point out and say that Nathan starts off with a, a wise start where he's setting David up to judge himself 
I'm thinking God pointed him into doing that. And then he's got this word of knowledge where God specifically showed Nathan, this is what David did. David figured he covered up his sin really well and he didn't. But the word of knowledge points right into that. And uh, he points at him and says, it was you and you did this. And then we've also got prophecy going on there where Nathan points out and says, the son you had will die. And that actually happens. Um, there's, I'm sure, places where you could think of uh, a word of knowledge that would be in a positive sense. Um, but we find it a lot of times, especially in the Old Testament, judging people where uh, someone comes and says, this is what you did. We've got, uh, as well, in 2 Kings 5, 26, 27, Elisha demonstrates um, a word of knowledge when he's talking to Gehazi. And Gehazi's just gone, and uh, he figured he went behind Elisha's back, and he's going to go get this presence because Elisha turned the presence down, and he's thinking, well, that's not very smart. And Gehazi goes to Naaman and says, oh, yeah, makes up a story. We need some money. And Naaman says, sure. So Gehazi takes the money. He runs back in the city, hides it, and showed up to Elisha like nothing happened. And then uh, Elisha looks at Gehazi and says, was it my spirit with you when the guy got down out of his chariot? Elisha knew right away. And that's a word of knowledge. I know what you did, Gehazi. And then he follows that up by saying he's basically questioning. It's a, a wisdom question. He's saying, is this a good time to be accepting gifts and money? Well, how is Elisha supposed to know when is a good time and when's not a good time? I'm going to say God told him, maybe not why, but saying, you know what? You're not supposed to take money from this guy. This is your witness of the, of the gospel. It's not about you receiving something. You'll be a better testimony if you don't. We don't know who Naaman affected when he went back to Syria, how it spread, but Elisha is acting very wise there to say, I'm not taking the money. And then again, we find three in the same instance, we got prophecy. Elisha looks at Gehazi and says, and now you're going to have leprosy and it comes to pass. Knowledge and wisdom are sought after by people in leadership. If you're in leadership, uh, you're looking for wise people and knowledgeable people. We find that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is looking for the wisest and most knowledgeable people uh, when, uh, when uh, he's exiling the, the captives in Judah. And uh, what happens is uh, it says in uh, the first chapter of Daniel that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is looking for these people, the best and the wisest, and you get down to verse 17 and it says, and God gave wisdom and knowledge to Daniel and his friends. God's looking at this and saying, hey, these guys are going to be put into a, a position of uh, influence and somewhere where they could be used. I'm going to give them this gift. And uh, we find Daniel and his friends all having wisdom and knowledge beyond any of the other guys who've spent their lives learning. This is wisdom and knowledge that comes from God. And then also we see three in one again, Daniel's a prophet. And he's having prophecy added to all of that. 
Um, we got a New Testament sense, and then that'll be the end of my examples here, um, of a spirit of, or a word of knowledge in Acts 5, and that's Ananias and Sapphira. Um, they thought they'd covered up their, their sin really well, and uh, they came and put what's supposed to be all the money down at the feet of Peter. And uh, Peter looks at them and says, hey, that's not all the money. And you could have done whatever you wanted with it. And uh, then he follows that up with a, a prophecy that didn't turn out so great for Ananias and Sapphira. And to Sapphira, he said, the feet of your husband are at the door, or the feet of the men who carried you out your husband are at the door, and they're going to carry you out too. So Peter is operating in a spirit of knowledge and, uh, and prophecy right there, working hand in hand. I'd like to point out that these gifts, uh, particularly the, the gift of knowledge, the spirit of knowledge, it comes with responsibilities. Um, we see in the Old and the New Testament, when you have knowledge of something, you are responsible to do what God intends you to do with that knowledge. Um, you'll even look in the, when God first gave his people the law. If they had sinned and they, it was ignorant sin and they really didn't know what they did wrong, he wouldn't judge them the same as if they knew exactly what they did. In Leviticus 4, it talks about if you did something and you have knowledge of exactly what you did wrong, now it's this greater degree of judgment on you. So as Nate was speaking about earlier, uh, an abuse of gifts, I could even put in there as well, um, not using gifts. If you have a gift God has given you and you don't use it, like knowledge, and God's saying, here, I gave you this knowledge, it's for edifying the body, you need to talk to so-and-so, and just, it might not even be a word of knowledge, it might just be a knowledge of saying, hey, you know what, that person needs prayer today, and I think it's, you should pray for them for their relationship, or their job, or whatever he puts in that. That could be God giving you a gift of knowledge, how to pray for that person right then. And it's, uh, he's expecting you to use it. Okay, second last point. Um, there's God's wisdom and knowledge versus the world's. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts from God. God's giving you the wisdom. God's giving you the knowledge. It's not, uh, it's not something man-made. Now, we'll find places where God's people rejected his wisdom and rejected his knowledge that he was trying to give them, and they started relying on their own. And that brings destruction. Hosea 4.6 says, God's people perished for lack of knowledge. They forsook God's wisdom and knowledge, started relying on their own. A lack of wisdom and knowledge is called foolishness many times over in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. Then there is uh, things to be aware of if you have gifts of wisdom and knowledge. First uh, Corinthians 8.1 makes reference to knowledge puffing you up. Um, 
you could have a gift, but if like Nate was saying, you're, I'm going to use this to benefit me, or I'm going to see how many people think I'm so great because I know this or that, that's knowledge puffing you up. So the, the hazard there is pride that you might be puffed up by how great you think you are. And there's a similar warning about wisdom. In Jeremiah 9.23, it said, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. The warning's not to become proud, that these gifts get used in humility. So, how do we get wisdom and knowledge? Well, it says in James 1 verse 5, If any man lacks wisdom, he should pray and ask God. And God gives liberally um, those who ask of him. There's another instance I'm going to put out there about how you would receive a gift. As you can see in, uh, in the example of Daniel, it looks like God just gave it to them. Um, but we've got that one we talked about of Joshua, where he received the spirit of wisdom back in Deuteronomy. And how did he get that? It was Moses laying hands on him. That's how he received the spirit of wisdom. So I'm going to argue that that could also be passed out by intercession. If I'm looking at a person and I'm thinking, you know what, this person's getting used by God in a certain way, I'm going to pray for them. You could pray, dear God, give this person wisdom, give this person knowledge, and God will answer that. That's how Joshua received his. So thanks for uh, listening to me and my little ramble there. Hopefully... You could follow along.